Well, if you have your Bibles, we need to turn to First um, Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. We're going to look at today, but that's a text you might want to read that whole first chapter, at least the first 15 verses. See some very powerful stuff in there. I want to talk to you about hope today. Um, I am getting a little bit of feedback. Um, I think hope is one of those um, human aspects that we all need to survive and to thrive in this world. God's word talks about an awful lot, hope. In the Old Testament, 95 times he refers to the hope that we can have. In the New Testament, it's 85 times he talks about the hope that we can have in in our relationship with Christ. Uh, And so we see that the theme of hope is woven throughout Scripture. Um, But we as humans, as we usually do, um, don't grab a hold of those types of hope that we can have in God, and we come up with our own little renditions of hope. Um, Poor substitutes for what we could have. Let me give you three of those that I'm talking about that lots of people point to. Um, A poor substitute for hope is wishful thinking. Wishful thinking is is that I hope that my Twitter.com account went up tomorrow. Amen? You all didn't get that, did you? Okay, here's one. We hope when we turn the TV on tomorrow there was a fiction of our mind that Ohio State did beat that team from up north. That's wishful thinking, isn't it? <laughs> Listen, don't. Yeah, that's wishful thinking. We have nothing we can do about to control it. We can yell at the TV all we want, go to the game and yell, but we don't have anything to do with the outcome. Another one is blind optimism. We have blind optimism way too much in our lives. Um, that's just um, averting your eyes and your thoughts from the ugliness of the world. Um, people that have this blind optimism can see everything that's ugly in the world and say, still, it's okay. Matter of fact, there's many um, sects and Christian or um, religious people that um, have a theory that they say, well, the Christian scientists, um, for instance, they say that all, all evil that we see ultimately is just a, a, an illusion. It's a figment of our imagination. It's not real. We're just, we're just seeing this stuff, but it's not really there. Sort of like the sign on the, on the IGA um, bulletin board found. Found a dog. A dog with three legs. He's blind in one eye. He's got one ear missing. His name's, his name's Lucky. <laughs> now you can call that dog Lucky all you want. But his name is, his life is not Lucky, is it? And that's what blind optimism does. There's a third one that's called ambitious dreams. And this is the one that we grab a hold of too much, I think, and too many times in our lives. As a matter of fact, that ambition dreams is what's going to happen here in about a month, a month from now, when we get to those, what is it? New Year's resolutions. Those are ambitious dreams. Um, I have that ambitious dream every year, don't you guys? No, you all don't. But I say, okay, I'm going to lose 100 pounds this year. That's an ambitious dream, isn't it? Obviously, it hasn't happened. 42 years ago, Phyllis and I had a, a, an ambitious dream of, of um, living a great life and retiring from the Temkin Company. But God, 
with God, huh? Many times these ambitious dreams um, aren't bad, um, but um, the limitations to them and the circumstances aren't in our control. It's in control by others, by ourselves even sometimes. Not, not <coughs> biblical ideals of hope for us today that we can hear. Um, let me try to contrast. Are you guys hearing me okay? Let me try to contrast wishful thinking, blind optimism, and ambitious dreams with what a biblical hope is. And if you're writing anything down at home or here or over in FLC, if you're writing anything down, I, I've got two sentences I want you to write down. If you don't hear anything, hear this today, folks. For most people, for most people, like everything else that we do, for most people, Hope is something that we get because it's what we do. You all get that? For most people, hope is just like everything else. It's something uh, resulting from what we do. But I want to share with you this morning, the Bible is completely different than that. The Bible doesn't tell us what we do. It, it tells us that hope is something that we can have. Did you get that? We can have hope. We must have hope. It's not something we do to get it, but we can have it. And the, the hope is, uh, in our, my life and in our life, should be that confident expectation that God is willing and able, you hear that? Willing and able to fulfill His promises that He gives for us. Every one of them. That's the hope that we live on. The hope that we gain and, and trust today. The scripture that I want to read with you right now gives us some idea of hope. And I, I hope you, you see one of these 85 New Testament verses here. Let's read it together. Psalm 1 Peter 3, 4. In God's great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, but kept in heaven for you. Now Hebrews chapter 6 gives us this assurance of that scripture in 1 Peter 3, 4. We have this hope, and it's an anchor. It's an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. My friends, today that is the word of God for his people. Sorry there, Sharon. I want to try to share with you this morning just two things that would help us understand why we as Christians who believe in this immaculate birth, who believe in this son that was born and lived a perfect life, who believe that he was crucified and, and had a terrible trial, unjust trial, but was crucified and died and was put on that cross and died for, for our sins. And that's not the end of it, that he rose from the dead and now um, sits at the right hand of the Father and has left us the Holy Spirit to understand things today until he comes back. Why do we as Christians in the midst of this world that is crazy able to grab a hold of this hope that we can have? Not, not things that we want, but things that we can have. Here's the first one if you want to write it down. 
I think we have hopes completely because we're absolved of our past. And I don't know about you, but I need a lot of obs uh, absolving. <laughs> Solomon said this in Lamentations 3.21. He said, This I call to mind that therefore I have hope because of the Lord's great love. We are not consumed because of his compassion. What never fails, there, this compassion, this love for us is new every morning. Too many of us think that this is it. This is it. I remember working at Temkin and this one guy, as closer and closer he got to uh, Temkin retiring, the more you could see him failing in his health. And literally, when he retired, three months after he retired, he had been there 45 years, three months after he retired, guess what he did? He died. He died because he thought this was all there is to it. Too many of us think that this is, this is it. When we die, everything that happens goes in that casket with us. There's nothing else going on. You want a prescription for hopelessness. We were talking that, about that when we Vicky at um, different funerals. Um, your mom's funeral was not one of hopelessness, was it? You know? Um, but you wanted to have a prescription for, hopeless, for hopelessness, for despair. Um, live a life without hope. And that does it. It's really uh, staggering to think that one out of six Americans, according to Gallup, the poll guy, one out of six Americans believe there's nothing, nothing after this life. You heard about the three pastors, didn't you? Three pastors and, and, uh, and they made a covenant with the fourth pastor. And the fourth pastor wanted them to make the covenant with them. And the fourth pastor gave them all $25,000. And he said, when I die, you put the $25,000 in the casket with me. You know, did you ever hear this? No? Put the $25,000 in the casket so I'll have it in case I need it. <clears throat> so it was the Baptist pastor. He put in $25,000. Presbyterian pastor put in $25,000. And I asked the Methodist pastor if he put it in. He said, yeah, but I put it a check out. <laughs> no wonder we have hopeless in this land. One out of six people believe there's nothing after their life. Some people go on to that wishful thinking and say, maybe I'll be and reincarnated as something um, better than what I am now. Blind op optimism, people say, well, I just won't think about it. I'll just, you know, I'll just keep doing what I need to do, and by the time I'm ready to die, they'll have something already there to fix that. I don't have to worry about it. Ambitious dreams, a little bit more problematic. They say, I'll, uh, I'll lose that 100 pounds, and I'll do everything I can to make myself healthy so that I can live another five years. In my life, in my life alone, <clears throat> I've had two doctors, two doctor teams, tell me, the first one was um, 51 years ago, they said, you have six months to live. I said, okay. I didn't care at that time. Just seven years ago, I was at the VA and the doctor looked at me and he says, okay, well, this, is what, this is what we're going to do. There's a whole bunch of doctors in there. We're going to give you five more years. That's what we're hoping. That was seven years ago. I said, okay. Because then I cared, but didn't care. Because if I made it five years, praise God, and I was hoping... No. I'm like Paul, if I live good, if I don't, it's even better. 
for all of us in this whole realm, there's one little stickler, one little reality that causes us to come back to understanding things. But I don't know if you've heard it or not, but it's 100%. 100% we're all going to die. And so we need to understand that we can have hope. We can have a hope that says much more than what we think. Paul said to us in Titus chapter, or verse 3, he said, God saved us in his mercy, not by virtue of any moral achievement that we did. Did you hear that? We are acquitted by his grace and can look forward in hope to an, in inheriting an eternal life because of this past that's been absolved. Paul is saying here is that we live by hope, friends, following Jesus Christ. Even though we may fail God, did you hear that? Even though we may fail God, which we do, don't we? Even though we may uh, fail our children, which we do, I, I'm always, the first thing I get out when I see my son every Monday, is I say to him, hey, Sean, I'm sorry. And by the time if I do that like 7,000 times, I might get close to being forgiven for everything. And even though uh, we fail our spouses in some way, um, which we all do, don't we? Even, even through all that, God's compassion, His forgiveness, His absolution for those wrongs we've done in our past is a renewable resource. It's a renewable resource. It's never exhausted. It's fresh and it's available for us every day of our lives. Amen? Let me, let me, you know, I'm simplistic in my mind and in my heart. It's like this. There have been many, many times, and I hope you're saying this with me, that I, we have, or I have, been out of the will of God. Many times I've been out of the will of God. But I've never been out of His care. Did you all get that? Many times I've failed. We all do in our relationship with God. But no matter what happens, it doesn't matter what's going on. We're never out of His care. He loves us more than we can ever imagine. And that's all because our sins have been absolved and will continue to be absolved. Let me give you the second thing. We have hope as Christians because we're assured of our future. We need to grab a hold of that. And Titus, Paul says, he saved us in his mercy, not by virtue of any moral achievement of ours. We are acquitted by his grace and can look forward to hope and inheriting eternal life. In other words, we have eternal life now. We don't have to wait for it. We have it now. And the question is, is how do we get a hope like that, that that isn't something that we have to accomplish? And I, I remember being in a seminar with Lee Strobel one time. You know Lee Strobel? Um, big church pastor. Willow Creek. I remember being in a, in a um, uh, pastor's conference with him and, and him sharing a story about God's grace, about God's love. And it goes like this. When he was serving at uh, Willow Creek, a large church had two bookstores in it, one on each side of the sanctuary, so that you could go out of the sanctuary and buy any book that you needed. Um, and one, you could do that and support um, the ministry there through that. And one day this young girl was going to visit her mom or go see her mom and dad after Sunday school um, to get ready to go home. And she went through the bookstore 
and happened to glance down and saw a book she wanted, so she picked it up and put it under her coat and left. And uh, when they got home, they, they found it, she showed it to them, and they asked her where she got it, and she told them, and gosh, they, they, you, know, you can imagine, the parents got upset, tried to tell her what, how bad that was and everything. And on Monday, they called up Lee and said, we'd like to bring our daughter in to you as a representative of the church. Um, you guys should see Declan. I wish you could see that on the camera. He's going through taking a picture of everybody. Can't beat that, huh? Yeah. He says, I know my dad's in here somewhere. So the next day, they, they brought their daughter into the church and uh, they brought her into Lee Strobel's office, which was um, not a, an overpowering office, but it was a great uh, place for them to be. And he came in and the girl looked at him and told him what he, she had done and she was crying and she was upset and she said, I was sorry, I'm going to never do it again. And, uh, hi, Declan. And, uh, and she said, she said uh, what do I do now? And Lee Strobel looked at her and said, well, you know, there's consequences to things that we do. And she said, that's what my dad said, I have to pay for the book. He said, yeah, you do, but I'm going to say to you, the book was only $5.00. But I think if you really want to have forgiveness, you need to pay back $20. And then she started crying again. And he said, what's the matter? And she said, well, I don't have $20, and I don't know where I would get $20. And my dad already told me I couldn't get it from him. And, and she said, I don't know how I can do it. So Lee Strobel looked at his desk, pulled out his um, checkbook. I haven't seen one of those for a long time. But he pulled out his checkbook, and he wrote a check to the church for $20 and put on the note, this girl's name, her gift. And he gave her the check and said, here, you just take that to the bookstore and they'll take it for that book. And he looked at her and he said, this is what I want you to gain from this. This is what God has done for us. He said, God has taken a, a, a bill that we cannot pay and wrote the check for it. And that check is Jesus Christ on the cross. And he said these words that I, I think there's songs about it and everything like that, but, but he said this words. He said, honey, that the nails didn't hold Jesus on the cross. His heart was broken because you, he knew you would take that book later on in life and need forgiveness. He knew that I would do things and need forgiveness. That's, my friend, how we get that assured hope of the future. And that Revelation talks about it, especially in Revelation 21. But talks about the fact that it's not anything that we do. The assured hope that we can have. Not the assured hope that we, we wish for, we desire. But the hope that we can have right now is that we have been absolved of our past and assured of our future because of what Christ has done for us in this Advent season. Amen? When we come to this Advent season... <clears throat> We understand what real hope is, and it assures us as our future. As I finish up this morning, I want, to, I want to share with you something. This was the first Sunday of Advent, 2022. Can you imagine? And it's going to go by quickly. 
And the reality of it is that none of us know if we're going to be here for that resolution. We don't know what's going to happen in our lives. And um, we shouldn't play, play around saying that I can have that assured hope. I can have that absolved <clears throat> guilt of our past. I'll just wait till I'm a little bit more ready. This Sunday, this first Sunday of Advent, not knowing what we can happens, what happens in our, our lives, I want to give us a chance to grab that hope in this holy season. To grab that hope that we can have. Not that hope we wish for, but that hope that God promises we can have. And I say that because I have that confident expectation in my life. In this, in this season where we wait for the birth of Christ, I have that confident ex expectation that Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, will fulfill every promise that he has given us. And one of them is that he will give us hope that we can have right now. I believe that, without a doubt. But it's not because of what we do, but it's what he has done. Amen? So the question I have for you this morning, would you like to have that hope? <laughs> and the answer is, yeah! Would you like to have it this morning? I'm going to give you a chance, if you let me pray with you. You want to be absolved of your past, assured of your future. You have to ask Jesus Christ into your life. I've asked him about a thousand times. I don't think I can ask him enough because it's telling him thanks for coming and being born for my sins. If you want to come up to this altar and ask him whatever for whatever, this altar, you can stand over here, come up and kneel down, whatever you want to do, and that's prayer time. But I want to pray a prayer with you. And, and it's all revolved around that, that absolve, absolving of our past and assuring of our future. Would you pray with me? Pray with me. Anybody need to come up here? Please come. I'm going to pray in my, in my, my sense, okay? Let's pray. Father, right now, I, as I picture that little girl caught in her sin, I realize I'm a lot like, like her. I've done a lot of things I've done a lot of things that I know are wrong. And of all those things, I know I need to be held accountable for them. Whether I want to believe it or not, I know the consequences of those things that I have done that are against your law, against your love, against your grace. And that there's consequences to all those things. I don't ask for forgiveness, then that means I'm going to be separated from you. And I don't want that today, Lord. I know today in many ways I can be forgiven because of your son that died on the cross for all those things that I've done and things I'm going to do yet. Right now, Lord, as far as I can understand and, and 
grab a hold of her. I do ask you to help me repent from those sins and to trust you. Take that little girl and reach out with tears in my eyes and receive that great gift of your forgiveness without an absolving of all my past sins. And I accept that, that gift of hope, that assured gift that I have a great future in you. As much as I know how, today I trust you, Lord, for my life. And I put my hope that I can have in you. No more wishes. Today we want to thank you, this first Sunday of Advent. We want to thank you for the Christmas gift, the ultimate gift of hope. Thank you, Lord. We pray in your son's name today and for his glory. All of God's children said, Amen. Amen. Praise God.